Hey babe, are you coming to bed? Hey babe, you left your dishes here again. Ah, uh, why is your alarm going off so early again? I can't wait to see you later. Let's invite your mom over for hey, dinner this weekend. Put on the kettle. Babe, we haven't had sex in four months. <laughs> I love you. I love you. This is Rainbow Pajamas, a podcast sharing stories from around the world of long-term LGBTQ plus relationships from five years to more than 50 years. You'll hear personal details from our guests about how they met, what they fight about, their sex lives, to practical matters such as having kids, financial planning and retirement. We'll also discuss controversial topics like exclusive versus open relationships, polyamory and marriage. Before meeting Angel, Nicole said her dating life was non-existent. However, just three months after meeting her online, her life changed completely. After three months of dating, including many long trips to meet each other because they were living on different sides of New Jersey, Nicole proposed to Angel. And here's the catch. Nicole had already adopted two children prior to meeting Angel. This meant that Angel not only had to think about whether the two of them were compatible, but whether she was ready to join the family of three. Fast forward to now, Nicole and Angel are raising six children together in New Jersey in the US. They have been together for six years and married for five. The couple are both working full-time while raising six children together. As Nicole puts it, their house is in a constant state of organized chaos. And their relationship isn't without its challenges, obviously with six children. When they first met, Angel was only 25 years old. When Angel told her friends and family that she was marrying a 33-year-old woman with two kids, Many of them thought that she was making a very impulsive and poor life decision. Some family member was also not very accepting due to the differences. With six kids comes great responsibility. And the couple also discuss in detail in this episode how they go about splitting their responsibilities, sometimes fairly, sometimes not so much, while maintaining the fun and connection in their relationship. And of course, we also talk about how they decided to have six kids together. I know that's the question that you guys are all thinking about. I know there's a lot of kids. And if you're having tough luck with dating apps, in this episode, Nicole shares a few tips on how she made dating apps work for her. Specifically, she talks about how she wrote her bio in a way that attracted Angel's attention. And she and Angel also talked about how their love has gradually won over the hearts of their families and how they balance their full-time jobs with their many parenting responsibilities. I've posted a picture of this beautiful family on our Instagram at rainbowpajamas underscore. Be sure to check them out and follow us on Instagram to stay updated. Hey you, before you listen to the rest of this episode, do you know anyone in the queer community who is disappointed, frustrated or even disillusioned by the prospect of having a long-term relationship? Can I ask you to share this podcast with three people who might be interested in the show? I know you must know somebody. Your friend who complains how frustrating the dating apps can be. Your neighbour who doesn't know of any successful queer couples. Or maybe your gay uncle who's just completely jaded. We try our best to interview people from across the queer community. Different sexual identities, orientations, ethnicities, nationalities, age groups and more. But the power of these stories can only be amplified with your help. Thank you for your support in spreading the word. Now, let's listen to this episode of Rainbow Pajamas. Hi everyone, so today we have Nicole and Angel, who are a lesbian couple living in New Jersey in the US. They've been dating for about six years now and married for five years. And the most incredible thing is that they have six multiracial kids all through adoption. So it's a, you know, a really, really big house in 2022. So Nicole and Angel, so your house has eight people, is that right? Yes. Yes. That must be mad. Like, you must be, you know, people yelling and asking for things all the time. How's it like in your house, in a, you know, on a Monday, on a Tuesday or at the weekend? It's organized chaos. Yes. <laughs> yes. What do you mean? So we have to keep a very, like, structured schedule um just to make sure everyone's getting what they need and doing what they're supposed to and but it's also chaotic because there's a lot of us so it's yeah someone's always running around where are my socks or I need this sign for school or who has gymnastics today and who has hockey and who has soccer so yeah it's pretty crazy 
you must be driving to different places all the time. You're basically a full-time driver taking Yes. Add it to the list of, of my jobs. <laughs> Are you both working or kind of full-time, you know, hand, handling kids? No, we both work full-time. I yeah. am a full-time social worker and I'm also, I also own a wedding planning business. And Nicole... I work for um, for one of our local hospitals doing early intervention, going out into homes and working with children um, from birth to three um, with developmental disabilities. Got it. Wow. So you both are literally super, super women. <laughs> <laughs> how do you handle it? Do you have help and domestic helpers and to, to get support for you? And how old are your kids actually just to set, set the context for the listeners? Sure. They're, um, our youngest is three. And then five and six, eight, ten, and twelve. Wow, that's quite yep. a, quite a range. Are you having the older kids take care of the younger ones already? Um, not really. Um, we don't really like to um put you know like parental things on them. Um, they have chores that they're responsible for. Um, and stuff like that. And you know, I might. You know, they might all go outside together and they'll keep an eye on them, so to speak. But um, they're not doing like parental things uh, for them. And no, we don't have any domestic help. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we're able to get like um, some of the local like young people to babysit, like just like a traditional babysitter for like date nights. Or maybe if we want to try to do short um trips excursions with. <laughs> or have some one-on-one time um with the kids individually you know yeah. we'll get a sitter to watch the other ones but not like on a regular basis or anything like that yeah uh, that makes sense and how, what can you tell me a little bit about like what is your typical weekday like and what's your typical weekend like um the weekday is uh i get up with the younger kids and our two oldest um, they pretty much are self-sufficient. Um, they're 10 and 12 and they get up and get themselves together and get themselves out to the school bus. Um, and then the um, other four, I get ready, make breakfast, pack lunch, um, get them off to the bus and then get myself to work. And, and then um, I wake up. And Angel sleeps in <laughs> and gets herself ready to go to work. And then... Um, you know, I'll come home, I get done before her. So I come home, you know, receive the kids off the bus and, you know, snack and homework, dinner prep, and then, uh, you know, maybe a hockey game, um, you know, bath time and getting ready for bed. And, and then it starts all over the next day. And the weekends are pretty similar. Um, you know, some days we might just hang out around the house, but some days we have, you know, stuff to do like sporting events or um, family things. Uh, I don't know, like we just had a big Easter egg hunt at a, at a friend's house and there's like a carnival going on um, this weekend uh, at a high school near us. So like stuff like that. Got it, that makes sense. Since you have six kids, I, su- I assume that most of your activities are around the kids and what they want to do together, is it right? Pretty much, yeah. What, whatever they're into right now, it's gymnastics, hockey, and soccer, and cheerleading. Um, but also, you know, like family-friendly stuff. Um, usually people, like friends of ours that also have a lot of kids um, or who have adopted kids um, that we're friends with, so they kind of understand, you know, hey, our kids are loud and they're all over the place yeah. because they have the same types of families, so um but yeah mostly and sometimes angel and i get out for you know we'll go to i don't know a dinner or movie or brunch or um what was the last we went to the winery and had um we listened to live music oh yes at blue cork yes so stuff like that i'm the planner so i i I plan the dates mostly mostly (laughs) angel is the organized one (laughs) yeah is Nicole the kind of executor of your plan or does she also challenge your plan as well? I don't know. I think Nicole kind of does a little, a lot more the like housey stuff. How do you say that? Like with the kids, like caretaking with the kids. And I'm more of like the helper or when she's not here, then it's like, oh, now it's my turn. 
to like take care of everybody. Um, so we probably could do a better job at evening those tasks out. That's usually where the most discourse is between us. But I feel like I'm the better planner because I pay attention to small details. So <laughs> she's also very forgetful. So I'm always kind of picking up the slack of like things she forgets. <laughs> All I can hear is, you know, what other content that, you know, you guys will fight about already. Yeah. That, that's fabulous. Maybe we'll start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about like how you met. You meet online. Yes, we met on Plenty of Fish. <laughs> Incredible. And how old were you when you met each other? I was, I just, it was just a couple, maybe a week or two before my 25th birthday. Yeah, two weeks before. Yeah. And what was I like? Was I 33? <laughs> I'm eight years older than her, so. Got it. Yes, I think I was 33. And when you both had a match, was it just like, you know, this is it, you know, this is, I definitely want to go on a date with this person and then the date goes very well. How, how does it go after that? So I lived in the northern part of the state and she lived in the southern part of the state. So it's about a little under two hours away from each other. So initially I saw her profile and I liked some of the things that she spoke about. And like she said um, some things about having um, fostering kids. And she also said something about like being multiculturally open, which I knew was code for like, I like black girls. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, people can't see us i angel and black and nicole's white um and so i messaged her and just kind of i don't know what did i say hey you're cute i like your profile pretty much the standard <laughs> yeah like. i was i was in already in social work at the time and i also have a history like in the foster care system so it like attracted me that she kind of understood that um, and we could like have that, you know, shared commonality. So um, that was really what stuck out to me. Um, and then I contacted her, we messaged for a little bit. And then I like, I have a theory that you must immediately have a video chat or else they're a catfish. <laughs> <laughs> so I was pretty adamant that I needed to see her on video before like, you know. We met. Yeah. So. So we did that um, and we would talk for a long time. Yeah, it was, I had um, like the, the, our oldest three kids uh, I adopted singly before we met. Um, so like we would talk after I put the kids to bed and we would just talk for like hours. Yeah. Um, and then I guess we had our first date and it went very well. And then it was, you know, the weekends, she would come down here because we're a two hour drive and we were going back and forth. And then um, I knew very quickly that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. Yeah. So we went on vacation three months later and I proposed in Mexico. And it just so happened that my lease was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my lease was up uh within at the end of that month so then you know we kind of made the decision that I would look to see if I could do my work in that county up in northern New Jersey down in the southern New Jersey area um because my job I can do the same job in every county in my state if I can work at that agency so I applied I I got a position so that kind of sealed the deal that I was able to come down because I was able to you know, really do move my job down to the, to where she was. So then we agreed that I wouldn't renew my lease and that I would come down to live with her. And I and did. The three, and, and the three kids. Yeah. Yes. And the three kids at the time. Well, right. Were... So going from a 24 year old single person in your studio apartment, working, doing whatever you wanted. And yes. then three months later, moving in with someone who has three children. So it was mm -hmm. like, it was a big, uh, it was a big adjustment. And the Northern part of the state and the Southern part of the state are very different. It, it's almost like you wouldn't know that it's the same state. <laughs> so that was also a big transition because it's more rural in this area and a lot more city up where I was from. Like so, North Jersey is more like New York. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
and South Jersey is more like Florida. <laughs> in every sense of the way. So you, you're both living in Nicole's previous house now, so in, in that more rural yeah. part of Jersey. Yes. There is yeah. so much to there's so much to unpack with what you have said just now. There was so much great and interesting content. But like the first one that I picked up was Nicole, you had quite a lot of like details in your dating profile at that time. You talked about adoption care, you like multiculturalism and all that different stuff. Was that your strategy to kind of just show your value and culture? Yeah, I really wanted to weed out people who didn't want kids because obviously I'd already, you know, I I legally adopted three kids. They're not going anywhere. Um, so I needed to make sure whoever, you know, was messaging me with whatever their intention was, they they knew from the gate, you know, pretty much this is what I'm looking for. And, um, you know, and that's, yeah. And that, you know, my kids are a different race. So like, if you're not comfortable with that, like that would be another like issue or reason not to message me. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I had a very detailed profile because yeah. I had learned prior, right? Because, you know, everybody's on all different sites and you, you, um, kiss a lot of frogs, I guess is the, <laughs> is the uh, whatever that saying is. That's so, probably true. You know, a lot of people complain the dating app experience. It's fair, you know, maybe it's nice to like say hi or get a match, but like, you know, the texting face is quite dreadful and it's really hard to have a conversation but like your strategy to put out there everything and the major things and that you care about and your value probably can really read out loads of people that you don't even want to start a conversation don't waste time and and, and caught angel i suppose angel would just like you know this is it she has my value and i really align with that yes yeah exactly got it so does that mean that like when you have so much detail in your dating profile you are more likely to get like less people who will talk to you but then the people who talk to you might be of a higher quality or had a better match you think i mean i guess it happened like that i don't even know that it would be less because i feel like my profile was detailed too um and i don't feel like i got less people um, but I do think the quality, you know, it becomes, you start to learn a little bit of the like dating profile language, because there are some people on there who are like looking for polyamory or some people who are there looking to explore some people who, so, so you kind of learn certain language to say like, no, this or none of that, or I'm, you know, I'm here for a serious, whatever. Um, so I tried to include some of that language. So I don't feel like it was less. I don't know that you were on it as long as I was when you found me. I probably kissed more frogs than you did. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So how was life before you met each other? Was dating life also very good and glamorous? And what was it like? So I um, identify as a bisexual. So I was in a serious relationship with a man prior, but I had been in relationships with women even prior than that, who I had met online. The majority of my relationships actually were with women who I met online, but they were very short for random reasons, <laughs> but they were pretty short. Um, and so I had gotten out of that relationship and kind of wanted, was, you know, kind of not looking on, I was just kind of like on chill, but like still, you know, just browsing, right? So I was just browsing. So um, I think I may have been on a couple dates before I reached out to Nicole. Uh, but usually the way I tend to work is like I'll meet someone and then I just focus in and zero in on that person. And then if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. So my friends usually assume that every person that I introduce is a fling. And so it just kind of like, I think, I don't think anyone took us serious until they came to our wedding your friends anyway yeah no nobody in my family of friends even took the relationship serious until they came to our wedding so, uh, so, so i guess like you were saying that there are loads of different relationships and most of them didn't last for that long until angel came about uh, until nicole came about sorry right, right yeah so she she like you know bright like a bright candle right it's just like a flash and then burns out yeah like that's how <laughs> i feel like you could yeah Amazing. And and what about you, Nicole? How was your life before meeting Angel? Um, I didn't have a dating life. 
No, I had a long-term uh, girlfriend for a couple of years um, prior to us meeting, but um, pretty much other than that, it was very slim. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I met a few people here and there, but, you know, nothing, obviously nothing uh, good. So. Got it. Well, I think actually this story is quite en encouraging to a lot of people who may be looking for the love of their life because, you know, I feel it's like it's always kind of not great until it's really good. Right. It's kind of like an all or nothing, you know, talking to loads of people, lots of chats and doesn't go anywhere until you meet the one that you like three months later, you're married. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so Angel, when you met Nicole and saw her profile, it was not a profile one, you know, it's a package of four people. How do you feel about that at the time when you also knew that she had three kids already? So when you're dating her, you really are dating four people all together. Um, at the time, I didn't, I don't think I knew the gravity of it. <laughs> Looking back. You were naive. Yeah. I mean, I felt that I could um, handle it. I was comfortable with children. I wanted children in the future. Um, so that didn't make me uncomfortable. I mean, I spent my life working with children and families. Um, I mean, thinking back, I had no idea the scope of parenting, but I surely felt, you know, capable of it. So it didn't, it didn't scare me at all. In fact, I really kind of leaned into that um, and leaned into my relationship with the kids because I knew that would make her more comfortable with seeing a future Got with it. us, for sense. us. That makes sense. And how did you figure out within three months that you know, the other person is right? You know, that's a pretty short period of time. Yeah, I don't know. I just never felt the same way with um, like any previous relationship also like no one I think made me feel like she made me feel mm. <laughs> and to see her like with the kids um I really you know that's like made me love her more I didn't think that I could love her more but then seeing her like step into that parenting role um you know made me love her more so I don't yeah, I guess it was just like that combination of things um, why I knew like so quickly. Got it. What about you, Angel? Um, I don't know that I did know. I think I just, <laughs> <laughs> I think I just felt like I was going for it. I was living in the moment. I, I knew that I loved her. I knew how she made me feel. Um, and I knew how, I mean, I was driving two hours multiple times a week. Like, I mean, there was a time that I left at six in the morning to get to work at 9am and I had just come 11pm that night <laughs> just oh, to spend yeah. that time with her. Yeah. So, um, and I think I'm in general, a little impulsive. So I was just like, Hey, I, I'm going for it. Like, you know, she was really special to me and it just kind of panned out. <laughs> feelings of things that you do for love is actually the best thing you know that's so sweet uh, when you talk about feeling was it just like romantic feeling that this is the right person i'm really in love with her or are you talking about like all oh, the feeling that this person i can spend the rest of my life with or with the family as well i think in general for me i felt understood um and that was really important for me to make a strong connection and so right away, Nicole made me feel understood and she made me feel like I could be my authentic self. Um, so I think that was one of the first things that attracted to me, I mean, outside of her looks, right? <laughs> That's the first thing you see. Um, but outside of being beautiful, I felt safe with her. Um, so that was one of the first um, attractions to me and what really drew me close. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah, I've talked to quite a lot of couples and people in relationship. It sounds like meeting someone who allows you to be who you are authentically is really the common thing that I've heard from many successful couples. Um, you also mentioned to me before the podcast that, you know, the different challenges that you have to deal with. And one of them is dealing with family because you are interracial family and interracial couple. Do you mind telling me more about it? What does it mean? Um, well, I, I guess I have, um, 
some extended family that I guess, you know, really weren't too happy um, about us getting married and had, you know, said some things, um, you know, got to the point where it was very toxic and like, you know, now they're, they're, they're cut out pretty much, you know, I don't want that around um, my wife. I don't want that around my children. Um, I don't want my children to think that that's okay for family to treat you like that, you know, blood or not. Um, so that was, you know, that's been difficult because it was like a family member that I was very, very close to like growing up my whole life. Um, so yeah, it was, that was really difficult. Got it. Um, if you don't mind me asking, was it related to sexual orientation or something else? Actually, I think it was related to, I think it was, a there was a little bit of racial bias there. Mm -hmm. And I, and I honestly think that it was more so that Nicole and I are opposites the way we communicate and the way we handle conflict. And I think coming into a relationship together, I push her to set stronger boundaries as she does sometimes calm me down and kind of help me to choose my battles. And so I felt like she put up and set up more boundaries to protect both me, right? Coming into a brand new situation. Um, and just because, you know, I was here and kind of saying, hey, this is, you know, these are, these are boundaries that need to be set. And I think that the family members saw that as like, oh, she's changing because she's with um, this new person. And so I think that was probably at the core of it um, because they were not able to, you know, treat Nicole or do the same things that they used to because she would say something or I would say something. Um, and then on top of that, I think that there were some preconceived biases. I don't know that they... Um, believe that they had racial bias, but it was definitely there. So I think it was easy to other me. Um, and so I think the combination of that um, didn't, was combustible. And then like with my family, if you remember, I said before, they didn't yeah. necessarily, necessarily. I'll, I'll, I'll clarify for people who are actually just listening because like they can't see you. Do you mind sharing like what kind of race and ethnicity do you identify with? So I am black, I'm angel. I am African-American and Nicole is white. Her parents are a mix of um, Italian, Italian and, German. and German. And all of my family and friends are black. So I think that the family members who, had, who we had conflict with, it was easy to other me as the only, you know, black, person in, <laughs> in the family in the family um and then in combination with kind of pushing kind of feeling like the boundaries that were being set were a result of our relationship which maybe to an extent they were but they were healthy boundaries and they should have been established to begin with mm -hmm. and i think on my side as i said before a lot of my friends and family didn't always take my relationships seriously and so they saw saw me, you know, moving and getting engaged immediately with someone who was older than me with children as um, an impulsive move. You know, I think my sister felt like, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing to your life? You're 25 years old. Like, what do you mean you're marrying some random woman who's a couple years younger than me? My sister and I are 10 years apart um, and living with her and her kids. Like, I don't think that she trusted it. Um, and she thought that I was making a poor life decision. Um, but ultimately, I think that as people, I really think it was the wedding. I think when people saw us at our wedding and they saw how much we loved each other and they saw our children, that really solidified any doubt that people had. And now my sister is still not married. <laughs> and I've been married longer than her. Um, I manage more children than her. <laughs> so, also, your sister loves me now, too. Yes, and my sister loves Nicole. And we operate as a family. She comes to visit for holidays and, and over. birthdays. And, and people up there. Yeah, so, um, so I think she realized 
I think it's a testament that just because you have family conflict in the beginning and maybe your family may not understand your partner doesn't mean that they won't come around. Cause I feel like your mom has also come around right. a lot. Yeah. You know, she had a, she, I think she was nervous about me, about my age and also maybe a little bit of bias. And I think we have a much improved relationship and I actually enjoy spending time with her, her mom. Yeah. My parents, you know, have us over, they come over here. Um, we go to the shore together all the time, all together. So it's been really nice. Oh, that's lovely. So your love between, you know, two, two of you have really won the hearts of your families over. That's really lovely. Um, and you guys have a lot of kids. And after three kids that Nicole initially adopted, you together also have adopted, adopted three kids as well. How was the decision being made and, you know, for, and what, what made you decide to do that? Well, <laughs> okay, so um, I had already been um, fostering through like our local uh, children's agency for the state. Um, and that's how like our oldest three were adopted through foster care. Um, so I was still fostering um, when we got together and I proposed and she was about to move in and um, I said yes to like a temporary placement um, from a newborn in the NICU um, without checking with her. And uh, it was just supposed to be short term until they found a family member. Um, so when she came down, there was a there was a newborn baby here that did not go over very well. Um, that was a sore subject for a little while. Um, I didn't see it was a problem because, you know, I've been living by myself and doing it and, you know, didn't, didn't think like, Hey, I should probably check with my fiance. if I'm going to take a placement. Um, you know, in my head, I'm like, Oh, it's two weeks. Like, what's the big deal? Um, you know, it wasn't, didn't end up being just two weeks. He's, he's about to turn six. He's about to turn six. <laughs> um, so that's how the fourth one came. Um, and then after we got married, um, we got a phone call from a judge who um, asked us to take um, the sibling of our third child um, that her sister came into care. So they asked us to take her. Um, so I called Angel at work and was like, oh my gosh, um, guess what happened? Yeah. And and I'm not making this decision because <laughs> I made the last one. And so this is completely up to you. And, you know, you just let me know what you want me to tell them. And she like, didn't even breathe and just said yes. And I like, couldn't, I couldn't believe it because I was just like, no, but like, are you sure? <laughs> like, you know what this means, right? Like, this is, this is number five. Like, but she didn't even hesitate. She was just like, yes, that's her sister. And, um, so that's how we got the fifth one. And then our youngest is actually the third sibling. Um, we found out that his uh, birth mom was pregnant with him when we went to court um, for our fifth. So that's that's how we came to six. And he also was a surprise. Um, you know, they they called, um, you know, we had they she has they have a sibling. Um, will you take him? And, uh, you know again, left that decision uh, up to her because I was like, I can't, you know, I'm always going to say yes. You know, I'm just like, I'm always going to say yes. Um, it's a sibling and I can't imagine them being apart. Um, so, but, you know, I know it's not just my decision um, anymore, you know, that we're married and already have five kids and we really have to weigh, like, can we do it? Do we have enough uh, we have to get a bigger car to get a bigger car and do we, rearrange bedrooms right and... do we have the you know um emotional ability to take on another life and be responsible for everything that that entails um you know not not just financially and physically but you know emotionally um as well so um she said yes to that too which i was shocked and but um, also i said no all the way up until he was born yeah so <laughs> we had found out like a couple months prior that she was 
you know, that she was pregnant and the whole time they were like, are you going to take the baby? And Mm -hmm. she was like, no, no, no. But then when he was born, it was like, he's actually really here. And, you know, I don't want him to go anywhere else. So that's our youngest who's about to be four next month. Um, So that's how we ended up with six. That is an incredible story. So it seems like just one after another, the sibling comes and then uh, the family also comes as well. And what made you decide to have such a big family? Because, you know, a lot of people nowadays in modern society just want to have one or two and maybe three max. And you must need to cook a lot of food when you cook, imagine. <laughs> you have a big, big pot and, you know, you just have to get the family size and use it all at once in one meal. Is it? Yeah, it's expensive, the feeding them. <laughs> it's just like constantly at the grocery store or ordering, you know, like the, the pickup uh or delivery uh for our groceries um yeah it was, yeah. It was 76 dollars to order chinese food last night <laughs> <laughs> for, dinner. Know, for dinner for everyone <laughs> so you know we have to a lot if we want to you know go out they want to have pizza and stuff like that but um yeah i don't know that i i decided like, I don't know that I decided, like, oh, I want to have a big family. It just, like, kind of happened. it just kind of happened. I mean, I know when I was younger, I had always envisioned having um, having a lot of kids. But then, you know, having three by yourself, you're, I kind of was like, you know, this. I'm at my max. But um, once we got together, you know, obviously you have a partner and you have a second parent and another set of eyes and hands and um, ability, you know, to, to, to take on, um, half of everything, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know that I, if, if they hadn't called with like her, her two siblings, I, I don't think that we would have six, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm pretty sure we probably would have stopped at four. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we had also decided we weren't going to try to, we've talked briefly about maybe trying to birth Oh yeah, like we did. Child, we did. It was very expensive, <laughs> and we could get free babies from the states. Wow, that's horrible. <laughs> Not say that. It's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> They're not free. Yeah. But... that was one of my questions as well because you know a lot of gay men you know cannot afford it because it's just very very expensive and it's very troublesome. But I thought that for women it's a bit easier from a procedural standpoint, but I, I guess it's also troublesome legally and financially. Is it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess if we were we were going to go like birthing uh, children biologically, we we were just like looking at you know s- sperm donation, um, you know, thinking about asking my brother if Angel was going to carry, um, or you know, what are the legal stuff you know you have to go through if you're doing that, and um, yeah, and then you know having to pay for daycare and and all that because health insurance. health insurance and yeah so um we did go back and forth for a little bit but i think i think after number five came it was you know we're not going to do that anymore and one of the blessings about where we live is that our state rewards people who really want to put in effort to adopt children and what i what i mean by reward is that they help you so like our kids have um, health insurance until they're 18 and daycare um, assistance. So we don't have to pay for daycare. So like those two things, those two expenses alone being taken care of by the state allows us a little more freedom to not be overwhelmed financially, which allows us the freedom to help more kids. Um, So I think that that also like played a role in it. Um, And then, you know, there's, so there's more financial support for adopted children than your own birth through birth. foster care right yes okay but it. but it it comes at a cost emotionally because you know our state prioritizes reunifying children with their birth families so you spend a lot of time trying to reunify that child with their birth parent before you get a chance to even adopt them so you know it's it's almost like every child that comes can go back and be lost um, and you get lucky if you're able to keep them and adopt them. Got it. That makes sense. 
So yeah, there must be a, so much struggle and emotional, you know, price that you have to pay in this journey as well. Yeah. So that must you know having a bad, bad family must also mean that there are, there are a lot of points of contention in the house. I guess that's my assumption. What are some of the big arguments that you two have, and kind of what are the challenges that you have in raising the family and also in your relationship as well? So I think that it's really it always comes down to the division of like responsibilities. responsibilities. I have ADHD, so I think in our marriage we've discovered that that affects our relationship and myself much more than people give credit for. Um, whether it affects our communication and how I communicate, it affects how I understand, it affects how I function, my like. Uh, Listening, listening short-term memory, executive but, functioning. Yes, all of those things. Recall. And so trying to, once we kind of figured out that that was also a key factor and start to try to tailor our communication styles, I think that we improved our communication so much once we understood the role that my ADHD was playing in it. Um, and I think still now, like we go through times where I am less involved and Nicole is doing and handling more of the responsibilities and she gets overwhelmed. And so we're constantly trying to even out those, you know, trying to go back to that conversation and even out those responsibilities. And I try to take on things. I think she just naturally takes them on. And then I just naturally let her if she's going to. And, but that eventually piles up. And it's things as, as simple as like, you know, driving the kids, picking them up and dropping them off at school or daycare. Um, you know, that could be a shared, when it's shared and we're both doing it, it's much more peaceful than if she's doing it all the time, every time. Um, so if she's, you know, cooking and she like gives me the eye to go get the kids or are you going to go get the kids? <laughs> I only have a couple of no's before I have to say yes <laughs> to make sure that you know, that I'm trying, that I am also making effort to um, even things out. But yeah, that's a big, um, that's usually our source spot. Yeah, we, we'll probably yeah, do, we'll probably do for, a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. we'll probably do I'm for, glad you brought it up because, uh, <laughs> yep, it's about that time to renegotiate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is this kind of like, just like small arguments that you have regularly or is it actually leading to like big fights and you know problems in your life? I mean over the past five years we've probably had a couple maybe like three kind of like really big yeah, fights yeah fights. and I think it's because we let that build up yeah um or, or at least you let it build I up. let things like I try to let things go like they seem small right you just let it go um, but then they will build up and then I will like, you know, something, something so like insignificant will tip the scales and, um, we'll have a big blow up. And she's like, where is all this coming from? I'm like, what? And I'm like, here's my list from the past three months. Let me read it to you. Check, 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 check. And then check, check, check. And then this, and the, 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 like, I mean, so, you know, and I'm not a great listener. I like to always defend myself instead of listening right so we have to do a lot of work like on ourselves about how like you know listen to hear me and not listen to defend you know what I mean or you know that I know that she she can't listen for long periods of time right so I have to keep my stuff like short I can't like I like to just go on and on and on sometimes and like if I do that by the time I'm finished she's like what are we even talking about um or if I like make sure that I like touch her, connect with her physically, she's more inclined to like listen. So like these are like new little nuanced things that like we have learned about each other in communication that um, you know, that we don't have those giant blow-ups anymore. We have little, you know, little stuff here and there. And try to identify when we're getting triggered and like pay attention to like, you know. I don't want this to blow up. I'm starting to already feel that overwhelming feeling. We have to go back to the drawing board. And like our life changes. So like we both just changed jobs. You know, we went from being, you know, pre-pandemic to going to adapting to sharing responsibilities during the pandemic. 
and then returning back to work and now returning back to work in person. So every time we have those shifts in lifestyle, all the responsibility tends to like tip to Nicole and we have to rebalance those responsibilities because now our lifestyles have changed. So when we were home, we were able to find ways that I could cook dinner or, you know, pick up, um, you know, one of our kids and, and I, that was my sole responsibility. So she didn't have to do it. Like my schedule is set. So like I'm done at the same time every day. Um, her schedule is never the same. Sometimes she'll go out to see families four, five, six, seven o'clock, you know, so that puts all the after school mm. dinner, you know, right. sports, bedtime, all that responsibility on me if she's not home. And I won't know, you know, until the week before, you know, what her, what her days on what days. So we are constantly like, get your calendar, like get your calendar, <laughs> get your calendars. So we can, you know, on Sundays, draw out like who's where for the week and, you know, what day are you going to be able to be home if I'm not? And, um, you know, what day do you think you might be able to cook dinner or yeah. like, you know, our oldest has a game at six o'clock, which means we're going to be all eating early or like you're going to be eating without me and he's going to be eating when we get home. Like all the, all that. I mean, it's just, it, it's, yeah. yeah, it's constant. And I'm like not a morning person. So, it's, and I'm like bright eyed at six 30. So, so then it's like circumstantially, she ends up doing all the morning routine because she's still sleeping and I like can't stay in bed. So all, all the afternoon. So okay. we're due for a conversation to uh, redistribute responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. So Angel, you're finding ways to just dodge all the house chore responsibilities basically. Um, a lot. Well, we are trying. Well, we should be doing that. I mean, <laughs> like, I I feel like I clean sometimes. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. Um, it's I'm like when I clean, I want to clean to the point of spotlessness, or I don't want to clean at all. So we have so like once I start cleaning, get out of the way because everything is gonna be like torn up and then put in a spot. And now. I'm yelling at you to make sure it goes back in that spot. Um, and our kids really do participate now. I think one of the helpful things that we've gotten our older kids to participate in chores age appropriately, but that do lift some of the weight off, especially laundry. I feel like laundry was a huge stressor. And now, yeah, I mean, imagine so six clothes to wash. Yes. Imagine children's laundry, your own laundry sheets. I mean, the towels from, it's just like, it's never ending. So the three oldest kids like will bring their stuff down. Um, the two older ones know how to do it completely themselves. Like, like they know how to put the soap in, they know how to, what buttons to push. Um, they'll switch it, they'll fold it, they'll put it away. Um, you know, the little ones will drag their baskets down and I'll put it in, you know, and, and all that. But our oldest three all fold their own laundry and then they pick a younger sibling and they fold their laundry so you know during the week they're it usually matches out that they're doing like their clothes one week and the following week they're doing a, a younger kid's clothes and then and then you know it goes back and forth like that so they're you know it's not piled like crazy but um but yeah so that took like a huge burden off of me trying to get eight people's laundries done um but yeah so stuff like that you know they'll take out the trash you know they have sundays we clean you know yeah. somebody does a bathroom somebody somebody wipes the kitchen i mean it's like either 8 10 and 12 it's age appropriate but they're they are partaking in helping taking care of the house you know because they live here and so i also want to prepare them for um being responsible adults who can live on their own and like know how to do things because we went to college with people who couldn't wash clothes and I was just like what how are how are you going to live on your own yeah so well, you, you know them very well it sounds like and but it sounds like so there's so many chores so many responsibilities in the house and then people and you mentioned to me before the podcast that you're still trying really hard to date each other what does that mean so we have to like pencil out time on the calendar to like to go on dates with each other, to make time for when it's just us. Because, you know, hearing about the daily, that's, you know, we're, I'm exhausted by eight o'clock. And so she gets home and we 
put on a show together. Um, half the time, like I fall asleep on the couch because I'm exhausted and I can't even get through, um, you know, 90 day fiance. <laughs> so, yeah. like, so we try to make sure that he's going to get Sorry. I said, that's a very important show. You should get through it. Yes. I know. <laughs> I keep falling asleep. So it's so we you know. try to go out like to dinner or to a movie um, and we'll get a babysitter for that. Or maybe we'll go out to brunch or to, you know, an afternoon thing um, just to have time alone. But also we figured out that in the beginning, we'd use that time to still talk about the kids. So I actually purchased um games like communication they're like these card games that ask you questions about your relationship um so, so i bring them yeah. with us on our dates and we use them and we talk about you know everything that the cards about our relationship some of them are a little sexy some of them are more deep and deep and help build our connection um there was an online um platform called the skin deep yeah, what is the name of that card game? I think a lot of people would benefit from it in the show. Yes, so the Skin Deep um, is a virtual platform, and they and they their goal is to like improve communication and relationships. So they made a documentary. I think it's called, and it's called The And, like A and D. Um, and they have all these different the And card games, um, and the way they do it is you're supposed to sit across from each other and make eye contact and ask each other the cards. And if someone doesn't want to answer in order to pass, they have to make uninterrupted eye contact for, I think like 15 seconds yeah. or something like that. Um, and they're really, really um, in-depth questions. Like there are questions like, you know, what are, what about is about past relationships? Yeah. What makes your me upbringing about um, your relationship? What are something you do that make, what is something I do that makes you feel safe? And, right. Or, you know, what is, um, I don't know. They're, they're really good and really depth and really in depth. They have um, one for the, they have one for the kids too, which we do. Like we went to IHOP yes. with the, all the kids, which can you imagine that we take six kids out to IHOP? But we do. Yeah. And, um, we play the game like while we're waiting for food like yeah what's something that mommy does that makes you feel special like stuff yes. like that yeah what's your favorite food like yeah if you could go on vacation anywhere where would you go so it's just like just stuff to make you know conversation to help you connect you know, connect yeah yeah got it that makes sense and thank you so much for sharing the skin deep game with us i'm sure a lot of people yeah they have an instagram page the skin deep if you find them and then you'll see what i mean actually and that couldn't be a better way to end the show with this really actionable card game and i'll definitely buy one myself as well but thank you so much for sharing your story with us today angel and nicole thank thanks for you. having us all right thank you bye-bye hey you are you miserable in your love life just kidding if you do know someone in the lgbtq community whose love life has been in lockdown for a long time and are looking for a reopening please share this podcast with them. If this podcast has made you laugh, think, or oddly turned you on, please leave a positive review to help more people discover the show. You know, to turn more people on. And don't forget to subscribe to get the latest goodness. And if you know anyone we should interview in the show, please email rainbowpajamascrew at gmail.com. That's C-R-E-W at gmail.com. Or send us a message on Instagram. Our handle is rainbowpajamas underscore. We're always looking for people in this diverse community who are in various types of intimate relationships or at different stages of their lives. Okay, that's it for today. This is Rainbow Pajamas. Hey, it's pajamas with an A, not Y.